face this all the time. I get up on my friends a lot of like, oh, but I like I don't I don't want to bug my friends. I could never ask my friends for money. Here's the deal. Like me neither. Honestly, I I hate it. I I don't I don't want to be in imposition. But the fact is is that I know that when my friends have dreams, I want to find a way to help. I want to show them that I love them. And a $20 bill is a really, really easy way for me to say that I love you to my friend. And so this is my time of need, right? And so I try not to make myself feel bad for realizing that in a way, like I'm 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 giving my 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 friends and family an opportunity to to help me out because how many times how many times does does someone call and say, "Hey, how are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? How can I help?" Even if they don't say, "How can I help?" What they're really trying to do is they're trying to find a way to be a part of your world. And and this is a way to let them in and it's not that big an ask to ask a really really good friend for for 20 bucks. Welcome to First Time Go. I'm Benjamin Duchek. That's Miles Levine talking about how to show love through crowdfunding. I have no problems admitting this. I'm a big believer in empathy. I believe we're all going through some sort of struggle. And the more that we accept that reality and try to understand each other and show grace to each other, the better others' lives will be and the better our lives will be. And so it's no surprise that I absolutely love talking to Miles, the director of the upcoming film Under the Lights. The Cameron Boys Foundation said, we believe this movie will be the biggest moment of epilepsy awareness of all time. That's a powerful statement, and in lesser hands, that's a lot of pressure to take on, but not for Miles. In this episode, we talk about how he decided to take on such a personal topic, the short verse feature debate, how to get a well-known cast for your feature film, and his extremely ambitious goal of $200,000 that even made Seaton Spark say, are you sure, Miles? Miles is sure. I learned so much from this conversation, and I think you will too. I'll roll the promotional trailer and then play my conversation with Miles Levine. Hi, I'm Miles, and I'm the writer and director of Under the Lights. I'm a filmmaker with epilepsy, and the stakes have never been higher for my community. So today, I'm taking my shot to change that. Under the Lights is the story of 17-year-old Sam, a boy with epilepsy so desperate to feel like a regular kid, he goes to prom knowing that the lights will make him have a seizure just to feel normal one time. We're invisible. One in 26 people have epilepsy. That's a person in every theater. Depression is twice as common with us and the suicide rate 22% higher. In the film, Sam says, you know what the worst part of epilepsy is? It's not seizures, it's people. It's not so much seizures that keep us down. It's the ignorance of a world unwilling to include us. I'm partnering with a star-studded cast to tell a truly untold story that's changing lives even before we've started. Our Disney hotshot lead, Pierce Joza, Tanzan Crawford as Molly from Hulu's Tiny Beautiful Things. Lake Bell, starring as Sam's mom. Indie film legend, Mark Duplass as the school principal and Nick Offerman, his burned out theater teacher. I was born right there. We won Tribeca's Untold Stories Fan Favorite Award in a landslide. There is medicine for cruelty. It's empathy. And the script won a top placement in the Academy's Nickel Fellowship. It's produced by Vanishing Angle. They're famous for South by Southwest winning Thunder Road and their other films that play and often win the top festivals in the world every single year. 
I myself have over a decade's experience making films, and my work has won awards around the country. The film has an enormous built-in audience, making it an evergreen story. But this isn't just a social movement. The universal experience of the film is that everyone has a silent struggle. No one wants to feel left out. And all it takes is for somebody to listen. I just want to be one time. The Under the Light short proved we will succeed. I couldn't believe the response. A year before the release, international fan art came in every day from kids asking questions about epilepsy. Patients used the film to come out and one organization sent Under the Lights prom kits to kids who were unable to go. The film won awards at Academy qualifying film festivals and then the videos came. Yesterday, I shared a short movie in my Instagram story. This film is one of the most incredible films I've ever had the privilege of watching. And I just wanna thank you for everything you're doing. We were deeply moved by it. It's helping me heal. If I had had this film when I was, you know, a young kid with epilepsy, it would have been the most important thing in the world to me. I knew from that moment watching it that I wasn't alone. If this film had been out when I was 17, it would have changed my life. Real change came from the proof of concept for this feature. So imagine what will happen when we tell the whole story. Cinema and TV are at the root of most of the stigma that keeps my community silent. I don't really blame the public for fearing our disability because most people have only seen a seizure in a hospital show or in a horror sequence. They haven't heard our story yet. I'm ready to tell it. Cinema is the answer. The question is if you'll join me. And I sincerely hope that you will. Thank you. Good afternoon, Miles Levine of Under the Lights. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled that you're here. So when I watched the promo video, Front of the Lights, currently crowdfunding on Seed and Spark, it almost brought me to tears, especially the moment when you shared the influence that you've had over other people. I have no shame in asking you this. Is that something you hear that people are that moved by hearing about the story of the film? Yeah. I mean, that's been the the biggest prize of the whole thing is just every filmmaker, you know, if you, if you ask any like, you know, student filmmaker, like, why do you, why do you want to do this? You know, they say, oh, I want to tell stories that matter. Like, yeah, I <laughs> meet you and me both, buddy, you know, but you know, to, to have made this and, and to, to find out what an impact it's had is, is humbling. It's mind blowing. Yeah, no, it's, it was phenomenal to watch it and hear about this story. And I'd love to hear how, cause I know you mentioned that you've been at it for a bit now, how you yeah. got involved in filmmaking. Yeah. So I, I mean, I've been working on this one project between, you know, from short to feature for like six years. And, but I I started making films in high school probably. But when I say that, but I I go back and I think like, well, I was making little recordings of my Legos, you know, way before (laughs) that. So it was always sort of in me. But what really struck me about film that I love is that it, it cannot be mastered. There's no 
there there is no master of of the craft it is the intersection of all art forms and therefore is ch changes so fast that the only way to stay in it and to like it and to be any good at it is if you like growing and learning and and that was me like i i, I thought this 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 field was so cool because it's just this endless labyrinth of things to explore and try. I love that description so much, the intersection of all art forms, because isn't yeah. that true, right? Like, d doesn't it irritate you a little bit when you watch a documentary and it's sort of just like talking heads or they just make it into where you basically you're making it into an audio podcast, which of course I love audio podcasts and things like that, but it's a visual medium. It's a sound medium. It's whatever you're hearing at a particular location. So that's a, where did that come from? That understanding that it's really an intersection of everything that's so beautifully said. Well, it's, it's a team sport, right? So, so, you know, we, we are entering a time period in which a single person can wear more hats than ever, really, truly, especially when we start to lean on AI, but, but, you know, you need sound, you need music, you need, I mean, if you are building a set, there is an element of architecture. In props, there is an element of sculpture. There, you know, it's it's, and it's also the most expensive art form, right? You know, <laughs> more so than than architecture. You know, it's right. it's truly truly mind blowing that way, and that's that's the unfortunate aspect. But it is becoming more accessible in every sense of the word, and and you know, I was always someone who. It, I got a thrill out of picking up something new and learning something new. And, and, and I think if I have any strength, it, my, my biggest strength is being willing to identify people who are much smarter than me. And so I didn't go to film school. I didn't, I didn't have access to like a traditional film school education, but what I did do was I picked out the people around me who are way smarter than me. And I said, show me how to do that. Show me how to do that. And you start, you, I think, I think the filmmakers that, that get, good at this are the ones that know how to draft a team. And I don't know anything about football, but I think about like fantasy football. And if you treat your, your, your crew, like imagine it sort of that way of going like, wow, like that person, that person's way better than me. I'm going to draft them on my team. I've got this person that's kind of a pain in the butt. I'm going to draft them out. <laughs> and you start to switch it up <laughs> right. until you have this, you, until you, your toolbox is big enough that you say, wow, I can, I can tell any story I want. And I got asked years and years ago, oh, you want to make a, you want to make th this story supposed to be a feature? Like just make the feature, just make the feature. I said, no, I want, I want to conquer that feature when I have the toolbox that's so good that I can tell it exactly how I want to tell it. Wow. That, that's so insightful. And I do want to get to ask you whether the short versus feature debate, that's something we've talked a bit with guests on the podcast. Yeah. But one important thing I did want to ask you. So when the first 10 seconds of the promo video, you identify yourself as a filmmaker with epilepsy. Can you talk a little bit about how that came about? Like putting that in the first 10 seconds of when you're introducing yourself? Yeah. So I used to make comedies like exclusively. Like I, I love Mel Brooks. I love Spaceballs. You know, like I, those, those are a core part of who I am. One of my films it was a Bernie Sanders action thriller. I played Bernie Sanders like that. That is where I come from what? as an artist. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's where I come from as an artist. And so in, and 
it's just I, I was just having way more fun with that than anything serious. But what I came to realize, I, I reject the idea that comedy is more difficult than drama. Come on, like it, if, if you have a sense of humor and you and the thing you wrote made you laugh, like someone in the world is going to think that shit's funny. You know what I mean? But but drama, you have to hit a bullseye. If if it doesn't make you cry to put those words on paper, no one's going to cry. If that and then the performer has to nail it has to nail that in order for it to work. It is so so difficult. And I have epilepsy. And the epilepsy community is going through something really awful right now, which is that it's one in 26 people. Okay, that's something like what, three and a half million people in this country alone? More people than Alzheimer's, cerebral palsy, and MS combined. And you would not find it very difficult to pull a kid off the street and ask them about it and have them tell you that they have never made a friend before. So I started, I was working as a camp counselor. And I'll tie all this together, I promise. I was working as a camp counselor for kids living with epilepsy. And these kids would be just like me. They'd tell me they'd never made a friend before. And I was horrified. Instagram wasn't a thing when I went to high school. But kids these days, they, they wake up in the morning after having a seizure and find themselves on TikTok and Instagram, video of them having a seizure and hearing laughter in the background. How do you recover from that? How do you ever recover from that? The unemployment rate is 50%. 50%. Wow. The suicide rate five times the national average. And when we get up and we talk about epilepsy awareness and why it's important to be empathetic and respectful and all this crap, we're talking to ourselves. You look around at an epilepsy awareness event, we're talking to ourselves. Everyone in the room showed up because they already care about it. No one's learning anything. But you better be damn sure that people go out of their way to see characters and stories that they've never seen before. And so movies and television are unique that way. It's the only place in our culture where people go out of their way to, to, to see something they've never seen before. And a good story requires a universal truth. And so if you can tell that story on a universal backdrop, I don't have to hope that, wow, I hope, I hope my community can raise a hundred million dollars to, you know, somehow convince the public to, you know, completely change their mind about this we just have to make like three movies <laughs> you know what i mean like right. like like one movie can reach 10 million people and and most people are afraid of seizures because their point of reference is hospital shows and horror films but if you change that right. point of reference everything changes and so i took the challenge i didn't really want to tell an epilepsy story but what i realized was if I if I can make a story that's the journal entry that I would never want anyone to read, people will respond to it. People will feel that vulnerability. They will feel that universal truth behind it and and they will they will cry. And and so I took the challenge. I wrote something that was really hard for me to write, really really personal, drawing drawing from my own lived experience. And sure enough, there's fan art every single day. There's letters. I get letters in my inbox every day. Families, people come. They, we we use the phrase in this community, coming out of the closet, like like discussing your epilepsy for the very first time in their whole life by just saying, you know what? I want you to watch this. I don't want to explain myself. That my life is something like this. This is how I feel. There's a fan that is looking to get a tattoo, an under the lights tattoo. Like it's 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 improved people standing. It's remarkable, and it's ten minutes. 
And that's not like a boastful thing. I'm as amazed as anybody else is, but it's it's great. It's cool, you know. Long Holy answer to a mouth. short question. No, that that's an amazing answer. And I wasn't expecting that. That's so like, does it feel like and, and this may apply maybe to others that sort of like are telling their story for their ethnicity or race or something like that? Does it feel yeah. like like sometimes you are does it feel heavy at times to be able to have that responsibility? Because it's it's almost like you're not just speaking for miles, you're speaking for you know the community in some way yeah it's 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 odd because i i mean i recognize that it would have an impact going in i totally miscalculated it like i i for the first time this like i got stopped in a grocery store for the first time you know like it's i if i go to an epilepsy event it's like a niche thing you know like i think it's sort of like youtube creators where it's like you know, at your dinner table, people watch your stuff and then one house over, no one will ever hear of you. Like the age of the blockbuster and the Steven Spielbergs of the world. That's like, it was gone a long time ago. But so for this really, really, really niche group of people, (laughs) you know, we're all a part of something like the way the phrase I use is like, it used to be a movie. Now it's a movement. And I just, I just get to be a part of it. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, at the end of the day, it's not really about me it belongs to the people. And there are 40 different kinds of seizures. Like I can't speak on behalf of everybody. But I know that my the feelings I feel any any given person next to me has felt those feelings. And that's enough. That's enough. I don't need to educate people about all the nuances of this. You just are trying to speak to the best in people and 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 the, the communities really respond to that the public's really respond to that and i'm pretty amazed you know i get to have this really cool opportunity in making this feature because well i guess because i was right <laughs> <You know? laughs> i love that so much so you're currently crowdfunding on seed and spark can you talk a little bit about the story of under the lights yeah so the under the Lights is the story of 17-year-old Sam, a boy with epilepsy so desperate to feel like a regular kid. He goes to prom knowing that the lights will make him have a seizure. And you can tell by the tone of my voice that I've said that so many hundreds of thousands of times. <laughs> but so the short the short entails a kid, you know, he's going to prom and he encounters someone who does not understand his situation and he does not understand her situation and they are just misfiring. They They cannot see each other and then they come to realize you know that they don't need to and and so the feature delves way 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 deeper into the nuance of again not a seizure but a person who lives with the reality that they might and is treated differently because they are a person who might what's it like to be the caregiver terrified every second that you're going to get a call you know that your loved one is in danger or you know, the friend who would like to do the right thing, but is not equipped with the information. And it, it addresses the idea that every single person has a very silent struggle that no one else can ever hope to understand. And again, we don't have to, we just have to I, realize that we have all felt those same exact feelings. And that's enough. Empathy is the only medicine for ignorance. Empathy is the only medicine for ignorance. And and so the story follows a bunch of people who just you don't understand each other, but come to realize just how similar they really are. 
I love that so much. And I think it speaks to how a lot of people can relate to this film, regardless of whether they have epilepsy or not. But this idea of that we're all going through some sort of struggle and that empathy and caring is really the medicine for it. And I love that the way that is phrased as well. That was something that definitely stood out in the promo video. So you created a short a few years ago, five, six years ago. How would you recommend doing that? Do it like if you could go back and do it over, would you do it that way? I know some filmmakers are like, you need to create your feature first. Don't worry about doing the short. What would you do if you could go back? Well, there's pros and cons. It depends on your mindset. There is something valuable about just throwing yourself to the wolves and, and just, just get eaten alive, you know? But when you, when you start with a feature, the challenge is that you are, you're doing one project when you could probably get done six, you know, in that, in that timeline. So you have to, it depends on your mindset. So for me, short films are like classrooms. They're like homework assignments. So the way that I started growing as a filmmaker was not like, I want to tell this story. I'm going to make this film. It's a no, 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 no. What am I actually getting out of this? So I would, I would write a story that had one thing in it that I genuinely had no idea how I was going to do. So I, I always hear this advice in the filmmaking world of make the film, you know, you can make and make well, right. Make the film, you know, you can make it's trash. That's terrible advice. Make the film. You're mostly sure you can do well, because that means that in order to do that one thing, you have to ask somebody. It means that you have to bring someone onto your team that wasn't there before or rent a new tool and figure out how to use it. And then once you do that, the next film you go into it and you go, Oh, well, I, I now have a toolbox that's 15% bigger, 15% bigger. So it started with, I'm going to, I'm going to work with kids. That's different. I'll try that. I want to try set construction, but I'm just going to do one wall, you know? And then, and then the under the light short, where like we built a bathroom in a garage. It's like almost wow. operational. <laughs> it has like a hundred VFX shots in it. Like it, we went nuts, but we made exactly what we wanted to make because we could. And, you know, but if you want to do a feature, it's the mindset of, I, I want to go to film school all at once. I'm going to write a thing. I'm going to accept that this is not going to turn out how I want. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask everyone, what's that? Why that lens? Why this? Why that? Which is equally ambitious, but you have to finish it. And it's a really big ask of a first time filmmaker to be like, you, you're going to spend years on this and you have to never give up. And you have to be the kind of person who's going to feel really stupid all the time. And if that's not you, if you don't have the control over your pride to be like, why, why this camera? Why that lens? Why can't we do this later? Why are we lighting it at all? <laughs> you know, right. like, if, you, if you're not that person, it's a terrible idea. But for me, that, you know, it's, I like that. I, I, I like both ways. Interesting answer. And so you took the short to, was that the short was part of the Untold Stories fan favorite award that you won? Like, did you take the short to various festivals and programs? Yeah. So, so the, the Untold Stories, which I recommend it's as of the record, this recording is open. You can submit. It's an amazing program at Tribeca. I was one of five filmmakers chosen to pitch my feature and 
that was the script plus all the materials that I had th at that point. And, and the short I had made a number of years ago, I actually sh shot that short in 2018. And I only put it on YouTube in like 2022. I really held on to it. I, I don't really know why at this point. And we, you know, we had a festival run and stuff and played a number of, of events. It did not play Sundance. It did not play Tribeca. You know, it, it did not play South by Southwest. COVID it was, it happened over COVID was my, my festival run. And to be quite honest, like I love film festivals. I think they're so much fun, but it really very, very few of them had any level of impact over my, it like becoming a, a feature film. The Tribeca program was very useful, but I think that we misunderstand the value of film festivals at this time in our history. My making the short or the feature is just a, a lot of like just relationship building and getting to know people one-on-one -on -one who I can provide a service for that, that, that like me in return and want to help out and film festivals overall, not speaking for all of them, you can't is largely just like a really great way to celebrate you and your team, you know, and to like see, see your work on the big screen and that's lovely and, and network and things like that. But I think the age in which bringing a short to a, to a festival and, and having someone what walk up to you and offer you your budget. Like that's, you know, that's over. That was 1991 was like the last time that ever happened. You know? So, <laughs> so, so you think the value of it, so you've assembled, but yeah. you've assembled quite the cast for the feature. So do you think the main benefit now of a film festival, like short or a lot of a short in general is just sort of building those relationships where if you do have the story, you can get the cast that you want? Well, I think the short is, I don't think it's that easy at all. I, the, 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 the purpose of the short, I, I never recommend to filmmakers to make a short that's purely a proof of concept. Like don't, don't ever make a short that's just like a scene. Make a short that can stand on its own that's a great short. That's great whether or not the feature ever gets made. And what the short did for me is that I did, I made the film I wanted to make and, you know, now when I, I don't have to do a lot of convincing for people to be a part of the feature because the short says everything I need to say. It says, I know what I'm doing. It says I have an important story to tell and I know how to tell it. And I'm asking you to be a part of it. You know, I'm, I'm trustworthy. I don't, I don't even think I bring up the, the festival wins or anything at this point. As far as the cast goes, something that most filmmakers do, especially, you know, no name, nobody filmmakers like myself is just sort of assume like, oh, an actor like that would never want to be a part of something like this. They're too big. And the fact of the matter is, is actors like to act and they, they like to be a part of things that are, that matter. And if you have a story that's unique and untold and, and matters, why not? They might say yes, you know? And, and so I, I realized that there are actually a lot of people out there who who believe in this and have a personal connection to this and believe believe in this and, and want to see it happen. So like why not why not ask? You know, ask out the girl, you know, just like find find out. Find out. And then I just I kind of I mean everyone needs to watch that South by Southwest Mark Duplass 2015 speech because that's that's really the the handbook that I've used, like, like, like moment for moment, I've, I've built my, my career thus far off of that. And it does work of make a movie, fail, make a movie. that's a little better, 
fail, make a little movie that's a little better. And you got something that's great. And then you show it to someone. You ask them to be a part of it and you ask them to bring their friends. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And that's not the first time that speech has been referenced on the podcast. I think it oh, yeah. was very inspirational for a lot of people. So do you feel, so the empathy is something that I truly love and something that I definitely aspire to do as well. But do you ever, you know, in your talks with other people, other directors, do you ever find that there's somebody out there who you're like, man, that guy is such a dick and yet he's <laughs> able to do stuff? Like, is it is it possible, not that I would advocate for this, but do you think it's possible to still be like an asshole and be successful? Or is it now you almost have to have those the skill set of empathy to be successful in the indie film world yeah well i mean so there's two resources in art there's money and there's human value and so if the human value is really low the money has to be really high you know what i mean like if if you're gonna work and this is true in any workplace if you're gonna work for a boss that sucks they're a bad person then you better better be paying you a lot yeah right interesting so and and as filmmakers, we don't have that luxury. We just don't. We just don't have that luxury. So you better be. People have to show want want to be at work. They they gotta want to be at work. They gotta feel like it matters. They gotta wake up being excited to see the people are gonna see that that day. And that's how all workplaces, you know, we we would want to be. But films really no different. And also, it's so so much more accessible to make a film now that you really stand out if you are a jerk. I mean, there was a time where if you owned a camera, you know, you're already in the top, what, 0.1% right. of, of like opportunity grabbers, you know? And like, right. It's not enough anymore. <laughs> not enough. <laughs> yeah, I've got, a, I've got a phone here, you know, that, that'll, uh, right. Yeah. Pretty much can, you can do it on that. So you've put down a goal of $200,000 for the crowdfunding, which is, extremely ambitious and I think is practical, right? Like occasionally I'll see seen spark campaigns. It's like, we're doing a feature film and I'm raising $10,000 and I'm thinking, you know, is that going to, how, how much, how is that going to, how are you going to make a feature film from $10,000? And I feel like your goal is realistic, but it also comes with the challenge of reaching it. How, what were, what were the decisions made in terms of coming up with that goal and the plan to reach it? Yeah. So, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm never going to disclose, you know, the budget of the film, but Seed and Spark is, is part of our effort. And yeah, it is unusual. I mean, like I, I submitted my proposal and they, they went, are you sure? <laughs> you know, like, you know, Miles, like, I hope you realize like, it's cool, you know, have all these places, things in place, but you know, social media is on everything. And I went, yeah, I know. I, I, I'm, I'm smarter than that. Like, I, I know, I know. And I know I'm going to be successful because I have, again, I've been building these relationships over 10 years. I think people think about crowdfunding wrong. Crowdfunding is not basically making a website and collecting funds. Crowdfunding is more like having a tip jar in your living room on the coffee table and inviting people over and calling people and inviting them over and inviting them over and inviting them over to talk about your project and hoping that on their way out, they drop something in the tip jar. If you if you just have a tip jar on your desk and you refresh the page every day and you just watch, like you're going to fail. But 
the other really good advice that that I hear that I love is like stop building your audience. What are you doing? Don't don't build your audience. Like your audience exists. Somebody else built it already. When you when you make something, especially with something like this, like you you have value. You are providing value. So you you have to think in terms of what am I offering and who needs it. And so in my case, I go out into the world, I identify every organization I can possibly find that cares about this material. And guess what? They all need something to write in their newsletter. They're all looking for something to write in their newsletter. Well, why not me? Right there, that one newsletter, that could be 100,000 people. It'd be 100,000 people. So what if, what if I have 25 of those? What if I have 50? And, you know, over the course of the last several years, like I, someone reaches out and they ask like, hey, can I show my short, your short to my group? Might be 10 people. I say yes. Might be three people, might say yes. Might be 800 people, I say yes. I always try to say yes. And then when I'm in my time of need, people come out of the woodwork because they believe in me. And that's what we've seen so far and and we will be successful. That said, if people wanna join in and help out, we, you know, that's that's how we get it done. That is why it's called a crowdfund, right? The other advantage of crowdfunding is it's not really just about money. That's a mistake to think of like, oh, this is how I'm going to raise my budget. That's what this is for. No, you're, you get a, when you crowdfund, you get a list of all who your fans are right. with their names and their emails. Like that's a huge asset. And so then when you go to make your next project, you have that list. You can email all those people and tell them about your new project. What an incredible asset. So it gives you sort of a, a meeting place that I think is incredibly valuable. I think people should crowdfund whether they get, you know, whether it's all of their budget or 1% of their budget or, or at all, I think, I think it's important. I think it's a really good idea. That's so well said, Miles. And I I don't think we say that enough, right? Is it like, you know, if I like hearing from you, I'm not going to just be dismayed because, you know, oh, Miles is raising money for another film. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, I don't want to hear about that. Like, I want to hear about that. And I think so many people probably feel like, Oh, I don't want to be a bother or something. And yeah, well, if you're, don't make if you're an actual fan, you'll want to hear from them. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't want to be. I mean, we I face this all the time. I get up on my friends a lot of like, oh, but I like I don't. I don't want to bug my friends. I could never ask my friends for money. Here's the deal. Like me neither. Honestly, I I hate it. I I don't. I don't want to be an imposition. But the fact is, is that I know that when my friends have dreams, I want to find a way to help. I want to show them that I love them. And a $20 bill is a really, really easy way for me to say that I love you to my friend. And so this is my time of need, right? And so I try not to make myself feel bad for realizing that in a way, like I'm 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 giving my 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 friends and family an opportunity to to help me out. Because how many times, how many times does does someone call and say, hey, how are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? How can I help? Even if they don't say, how can I help? What they're really trying to do is they're trying to find a way to be a part of your world. And, and this is a way to let them in. And it's not that big an ask to ask a really, really good friend for, for 20 bucks. And it adds up. And if they really love you, they'll tell their friends, you know. And there's always the aunt or whatever that surprises your, your, your buddy's aunt that, that has this incredible following. And all of a sudden, people come out of the woodwork. And I'm pretty sure that's how we won the Tribeca fan favorite award <laughs> was my cinematographer's mom <laughs> really what? pulled really? her weight really pulled her weight 
I don't know, man. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome, Miles. So assuming you'll be successful, which given your persistence and drive, I'm sure you will be. What are your plans for production and when we can see the film? Yeah, well, we hope to enter production very soon. And then obviously so many of those milestones are not, you know, up to me, like, you know, the distributor gets a say, you know, whatever the whenever the festival premiere is, you know, that's, that's what's tough is, you know, you try, you try and remove the gatekeeping as much as possible. But there are just some things that are in other people's hands. So, you know, we're, we're, we're gonna shoot, then, it, you know, it'll, it, it, all films take, you know, optimally, a handful of months to edit and, and then you'll be hearing about it. So people can follow along on Facebook and Instagram is at under the lights film. Don't look me up on Twitter. I don't want to be bugged. <laughs> I don't use Twitter X, whatever it is now. No, I'm kidding. And under the lights film.com. I update people there, but mostly updates on season spark. Awesome. So I know, you know, given your ambition here, it may be, a little bit premature to ask you if you have any other projects going on, but indie filmmakers have to be thinking about their next project and other things. Yeah. Is there anything else that you're working on that you'd like to share? Yeah, I've definitely got, you know, if fears in the vault, but, <clears throat> but I try and, and put my focus on, on this. Cause I, I get one chance. It's, it is the white whale for me, but I have, I had this weird realization at one point of, you know, you go to a studio and you pitch a project and you realize like, well, we live in the age where everything's about IP. Everything's about IP. Like they're making, we live in the age of sequels. We, we have been for so long now. Oh my goodness. I have an IP. I, I have one under the lights is an IP. I made a short, I made a feature and I, I actually, the first thing I was interested in was theater. And so I've written the beginnings of a, a stage play because I realized oh, I built this, I just said, don't build your audience, but I ended up with, with a pretty extraordinary audience of people who really believe in this and theater is really remarkable in that it can be licensed in a way that film can't, I can't go out and say like, I'm going to make a star Wars movie, you know, but, <laughs> right. but a college kid, a college kid could go and reimagine under the lights. And I think that that's a really, really cool thing and really important for the the movement, but also I, I, I think it'd be a really cool personal experience. So I'm thinking about that. But if I get the opportunity to make more movies, obviously, of course I will. Wow. I, I'm just I'm just blown away, Miles. So this is a filmmaker's podcast. I love to hype other people's projects. Is there another indie filmmaker or film out there that you wish more people knew about? Yeah. As of right now, still live on Season Spark. A friend of mine, Aaron Brown Thomas, makes something called Little White Lies, another project really worth supporting. And Another a local filmmaker in my area has a film up called The Process. His name's Morgan Hamilton Lee. I'd I'd love it if someone would 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 toss them both that twenty dollar bill. I know I have, and that's how we that's how we get to where we want to go. Right? Is you you participate in the tribe? So I love I that so to, much. I try my best. I I've learned so much on this podcast, Miles. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about epilepsy the film and you just have a way with words of i'm sure people have said this to you before but a way of words of describing things that are complicated in a very simple way the best medicine for cruelty is empathy i love those little turns of phrases 
you must be a great writer as well as a filmmaker miles to be able to have that ability. So I'm really glad you're able to share that with me on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this has been one of my favorite episodes to talk and hear about your story. And I'm really grateful that you're able to share it with me. Thanks, man. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the First Time Go podcast. The goal is to make life a little easier for independent creators. So if you're with me for that, please give the podcast a five-star review wherever you download your podcast. It's free and helps expand the reach for the creators on the show. Expanded membership is available through Directors Club. You get access to season one, early episodes when available, and other subscription benefits. Sign up now through Red Circle. The link is in the show notes. Check out the podcast YouTube channel if you'd like to watch a select number of episodes of the podcast and the indie film highlight posted every Sunday. Thanks again for listening and helping creators get their first time going.